And welcome everyone to another SU Oddities. Um, on this one again, you know, we're getting closer to the holidays, as I like calling them. You know, after Halloween, everything else is dead, but just, you know, waiting for that whole whole setup. Uh, and we've covered this before on these uh, oddities that we were talking about. Uh, there's a book actually I was reading. I got to pick it back up, but they were um, different versions of hell, basically, depending on culture, belief, mysticism, things like that. And so I thought, you know, it would be really neat to take a dive and wonder. Why are goats the most satanic animal? Like, why was that a weird attachment, and how did that gain any ground? Um, and we're going to cover it here. So here we go. Not many people associate Pan with the Christian devil due to Pan's demeanor. The Greeks depicted him as a half-man, half-goat, with hoofed feet and a horned head. His father was either Hermes or Zeus, depending on the source, and his mother was a nymph, which, there's that. Pan, the god of the wild and the companion of nymphs, was believed to be anything but aggressive. He enjoyed lounging in fields, taking midday naps, and playing music in the evenings. He also looked over herders, flocks, and hunters. But, with that being said... Um, Like other Greek gods and goddesses, Pan was a highly sensual being. Artists often depicted him chasing after nymphs or loafing around in a drunken haze. And naturally, this didn't sit well with the newly established Catholic Church. In 325 AD, Emperor Constantine I spearheaded the First Council of Nicaea. The council issued the Nicene Creed, which solidified the notion that Jesus was a divine being and an inseparable part of the one and only God. Any other deity was considered a false icon, and Christian theologians like Isabuus uh, began morphing Pan's identity from the natural, free-willing guardian of shepherds into a demonic entity, yeah, because as one does, right? According to the Greek historian Plutarch's uh, De Defecto Oracularum, nailed it, Pan perished during the reign of the Tiberius, um, which is 14 to 37 A.D., Although historians debate whether or not Plutarch was discussed the literal end of Pan, Christian apologist Eusebius uh, took the idea and he ran with it. So Eusebius explained that Jesus was alive when Pan passed. Both religious figures allegedly lived during the reign of Tiberius. Uh, He gave Jesus the credit for casting away Pan and other pagan deities referred to as Daemons, but spelled D-A-E-M-O-N-E-S. He wrote in uh, Demonstratio Evangelica, uh, quote, the final proof of the demon's uh, weak nature is shown by the extinction, which can only be dated from the appearance of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For from the time when the word of the gospel began to pervade all nations, the oracles begin to fail and the ends of the demons are recorded. So looks like um, somebody started writing fictional just to uh, <laughs> drive Drive the promotion of Jesus, and here we go. Uh, The Knights Templar was the most powerful armed force in medieval Europe. By the 13th century, the Crusaders, whose mission was to be soldiers of Christ, had turned their focus to business, namely banking. They lent a significant amount of money to King Philip IV of France as his country fought England. When King Philip didn't have the means to pay the Knights Templar back, he came up with a different strategy to cancel his debt. Allegedly, again, allegedly, the Knights Templar worshipped a deity known as Baphomet. Like Pan, he was half goat, half man, but Baphomet had a full goat's head. King Philip IV ruled this as an act of heresy and had the Knights Templar taken into custody. Which, uh, there you go. 
Uh, the Crusaders used ruthless tactics when interrogating the Knights Templar. Many admitted to worshipping this Bathomite, uh, though these may have been the false confessions meant to end the torment. Word of this evil demonic baffinet spread, and depictions of the demon began morphing from the jovial pan into the sinister adversary of God. Yes, of course. So Christianity continued to take root throughout imperial Rome, and proponents of the religion were eager to eliminate other deities. Um, so... A lot of footwork to go, right? This is how paganism got its bad rap. Pan became an easy target for the church, given his lusty demeanor. The image of a half-goat, half-man quickly became associated with temptation and sins of the flesh. Painters of the late Middle Ages, like Giotto, uh, further forged the image of the devil with goat-like features. In his painting, Last Judgment, horned demons with pitchforks torment the living. This is simply one of the many horned depictions of evil incarnate, and there were... A bunch back in the day. Um, but then it gets, there's more here. Here we go. We continue. The connection between goats and the devil continued to grow well into the 19th century. In 1812, the Brothers Grimm published Children's and Household Tales, commonly known as Grimm's Fairy Tales. These original stories are infamous for being far more gruesome and macabre than their modern interpretations. Eventually, the book contained 211 original fairy tales, which of which postulated why goats were associated with the devil. The Lord's Animals and the Devils, quote, tells a story of how the devil created goats and bit off their tails after they got tangled in brush. Uh, and this is a quote from the, from the nursery room, evidently. Now, when they went to pasture, they generally remained caught in the hedges by their tails. Then the devil had to go there and disentangle them with a great deal of trouble. This enraged him at last, and he went and bit off the tail of every goat, as may be seen to this day by the stump. After God's wolves takes out the devil's goats, God promises to pay the devil back when all leaves fall from the trees. Unfortunately for the devil, one tree in Constantinople never loses its leaves, so this pisses the devil off. Go figure. Uh, this is another quote here. In his rage, he put out the eyes of all the remaining goats and put out his own instead. This is why all goats have devil's eyes and their tails bitten off and why he likes to assume their shape. And again, this is from Brothers Grimm. Yeah, pretty amazing. In 1854, French occultist Elafas Levi uh, released the first of two installments of Dogma et Ritual de la Ha Magie, Magi, or Dogma and Ritual of High Magic. Uh, Levi added detailed illustrations to his popular grimoire, uh, one of which was a reimagined version of Baphomet, a deity once allegedly worshipped again by the nice Templar that we covered. Levi called this new creation the Sabbatic Goat. The creature has hooved feet, black wings, the body of a man, and the head of a goat. In his book, Levi likens Baphomet to the Devil Tarot card, which is card 15. He describes a ritual to summon the demon. Phantom of all terrors, the dragon of all the theologies, the Araman of the Persians, the Typhon of the Egyptians, the Python of the Greeks, the old serpent of the Hebrews, the fantastic monster, the nightmare, the Krogamatane, the gargoyle, the great beast of the Middle Ages, and, worse than all of these, the Baphomet of the Templars, the bearded idol of the alchemist, and the vulgar deity of Mendes, the goat of Sabbath. So, there you go. That's um, clever, catchy, it rhymes. Uh, cultists of the 19th century often understood the world through a black and white lens. Levi, for example, believed that the universe was ruled by a set of fixed laws, a sacred alphabet, if you will, which the illustration of the Sabbatic goat reflects. The image featured two crescent moons, one black in the low right corner and one white in the upper left corner. He said that the creature was hermaphroditic, 
symbolizing the binary opposite of male and female. While explaining Baphomet's connection to the devil card of the tarot, he also touched on why he chose to portray Baphomet in such a way, saying, The goat's head, which is synthetic and unites some characteristics of the dog, bull, and donkey, represents exclusive responsibility of matter and the exploitation of bodily sins in the body. So there's that. Also, uh, as, so as spiritual gained popularity in both Europe and America, Levi's book garnered more attention. Arthur Edward Waite, who later went on to co-create the classic Rider Waite Tarot, oh, there you go, first discovered Levi's work in 1881. By 1886, he had translated the entire thing into English. He continued to study spiritualism and the occult, and in 1910, he released the Rider Waite Tarot. Waite drew inspiration from Levi's interpretation of the tarot card. Illustrated a Pamela Coleman Smith morphed Levi's illustration by transforming the hoofed feet into claws like those of a bird and changing the face to a more generic, beastly one. Waite made several jabs at Levi in his 1911 book, The Pictorial Key to the Tarot. He said of the devil card and his Baphomet connection, quote, with more than his usual derision for the arts, which he pretended to respect and interpret as a master therian, Elevas Levi affirms that the Baphomet figure is occult science and magic, unquote. Um, Alistair Crowley translated several of uh, Levi's works into English, including The Key of the Mystery. Crowley went on to create Thelema, his hermetic sex magic-based religion, and Baphomet became the central figure of his Gnostic mass in their creed, which includes the line, And I believe in the serpent and the lion, mystery of mysteries, in his name, Baphomet. As the notoriety of Crowley and other occult practices spread in the early 20th century, so did the image of what we got here. So, um, basically, to wrap it up here, uh, we're coming to modern day, I guess, to a certain point. The Satanic Temple used the image of Baphomet to challenge the state of Arkansas. The state legislator had just approved a Ten Commandment monument for the state capital, which, if you guys haven't read that story, do, because it's crazy. In order to protest uh, this blending of church and state, Satanists gathered outside of the capital to reveal their own monument contribution, an eight-foot-tall statue of Baphomet with a child. The organization attempted to use proper legal channels to erect their statue, but they never received responses from the state legislators. Uh, Lucien Greaves, spokesperson and co-founder of the Satanic Temple, explained, The event is intended to be an inclusive gathering where the Satanic Temple will be celebrated pluralism along with Christian and secular speakers. People of many faiths will come together at the Capitol to reject the Arkansas state legislators' efforts to privilege one religion over others. Um, of then, of course, you know, the, the nail in the coffin, right? We have movies, we have different, like the witch has the goat, and this just keeps going and going and going. But um, interestingly enough, it started as far back as Pan, and holy shit, how we take things and use them to our advantage, basically. And this is what happened. It's the same thing with paganism going away. You know, they're dancing at midnight of a full moon because they believe the full moon is great for harvest. And they're dancing on the corn stalks, which in turn turns to witches flying on broomsticks. And they're part of Satan, da-da-da-da-da. It just, it amazes me what Christianity does um, to make play their own little story. But, um, but I will get off my soapbox. I digress. Hopefully you guys enjoy that episode. Stay strange. 